Ah, yes, friends. On a Friday, it is, of course, OGP, the one giant podcast where you know it. We are your host over there, Andy Makowitz. Over here, Adam Armbrecht, generational season ticket holder over there, host of the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network over here. It's Friday, man. So we're going to go ahead and get expansive, sir. But how are we feeling? On the mend, 24 hours later, you feel as good as you ever had. <clears throat> I'm still I'm still working through things, Adam, but I'm trying to get better for the weekend. Man, it, it nothing is worse than being sick when it comes to the weekend. Like you work all week, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to enjoy your time. And here we sit, still not doing well. It's supposed to be 94 degrees mm-hmm. tomorrow on Saturday. Unbelievable weather it's supposed to be kicking in. What is happening? Pro's pro, uh, who when asked how he's doing, opens with a cough. I think that that you know sends the message, makes it very clear, and we'll just clean that up in post. It's no big deal. Listen, all week long we've been talking, obviously, about the OTAs. We've had those last couple of days really having discussions around some back-end guys. Some roster moves have been made. We're starting, I think, to see, as Joe Shane mentioned, by the way, right? He said this at the start of the offseason, during the draft, post-draft, during uh, undrafted free agency when they were bringing in some players. And as he got into rookie minicamp, et cetera, he said, We're not done, right? This process for us is going to be continual throughout the entire offseason. He's staying true to that. So before we dive in on the topic of the day, which is going to be looking at this roster for the building block cornerstone pieces on both sides of the ball, do you think that, again, it's another great example of Joe Shane, for better or worse, being honest about what it looks like for him in his first year as the Giants GM? I I do. I mean, Look, he has been transparent about everything that he's wanted to do. He said this is going to be a multi-year rebuild. He said he didn't want to kick the can down the road and restructure things. He's he's basically meant everything that he said, and he's followed through with actions. You look at, we mentioned yesterday about the James Bradbury piece. Obviously, <clears throat> his contract made it so that the Giants couldn't keep him anymore. You know, old regimes would have restructured it, kicked the, kicked the can down the road, and said, oh, we'll live to fight another day. Joe Shane is saying, no, I need to get this clean. So when we look forward in 2023 and we have the core pieces here, we have those building blocks in the building, then it's about getting the complementary pieces and we have the cap space to do it. 100%. So we thought it'd be a good one here. We weren't sure which direction we were going to go. We noodled around on it. We batted it back and forth. And we ultimately came to building blocks, right? We're in this off season. We know that there's a lot of change, a lot of turnover, and a lot of questions to be answered over the course of the upcoming season. But as we stand right now, I think this was a good way to maybe address some of the lower level back end of the roster players that fans or we are debating and hoping that they can be a part of this, but also addressing who do you see moving forward on both sides of the ball? Who, you know, three, four years from now, what are the handful of players that you expect to have been built around with complementary pieces so the Giants can be back to being competitive. Uh, dealer's choice. You want to go offense or defense to start this conversation? Well, l- let me just frame things a little bit. And the reason why we we, we yeah we wanted to talk about this was because we've gotten pushback on our on our just overall sentiments of guys like Julian Love and, and Darius Slayton, where everyone's like, no, you got to keep them. You know, they're working hard. They could be a part of this roster moving forward. Hey, you know, we, we talked about a signing that the Giants had yet, you know, two days ago. Safety Henry Black is a perfect example of this. Right. You, you may look at Henry Black and you're like, who is this guy? Oh, did you know that, you know, the Green Bay Packers had the number one seed and this guy played in all 18 games for the Green Bay Packers? He was just a guy for the Green Bay Packers and they realized they need to get better at certain areas. Henry Black is a guy that can contribute, but he's also replaceable. And so I think what, we're, what we were realizing when we were kicking back and forth after the show yesterday was, well, look, I don't understand why everyone's so upset about us calling out Julian Love. Like We just want to be better overall. 
is he a building block? And then it's like, aha, let's think about actually who are the building blocks. Is there one, two, five on each side of the ball? Like, I think it's good for us to kind of come to a consensus overall with listeners as well. Who are the guys that are going to be here long-term? Because if they're not, then they're just a guy on the roster and we're going to be replacing them and churning them over next year. Yeah, and certainly the, the the balance between having talent on the roster in the short term and then building for the future, right? We can't just take everybody off the roster that isn't going to be here in five years because you may not have much of a roster, as we'll get into here in a second. But but it is also the opportunity for young players, bring guys in, bring someone in like Black, let them compete, let them have a good year or two. But no, do we look at him and say, ah, there's a guy that will be playing here for the next five to seven years? Not necessarily. So let's start on the defensive side of the ball, actually, with, with that in mind, because we know there's a lot of question there, questions there, I think. Um, the secondary has a lot of, uh, obviously, opportunity for turnover. So there's a linebacking core. Uh, the top of the edge rushing class may be where we want it for the future, but what about everyone in there and behind it? So when we run through this and we're thinking about just looking at, obviously, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Thibodeau drafted this year, right? Tate Crowder, Blake Martinez, Aziz Ojolari, Xavier McKinney, Cordell Flott, Julian Love, Adoree Jackson. That's, you know, that's the rundown of the starters on this team. I guess you throw in Ward by some by or, or Nico Lelos, depending on which way you want to go. There's that group of players. And you can include, obviously, some guys in behind them there from a depth perspective and young talent. But give me, I mean, we'll take Thibodeau right off there, right? He's a cornerstone piece. That's obvious. If you're drafted high in the draft class, you have to be. Um, if we automatically assumed Aziz Ojolari because we think that the talent level is there, is that something that we both agree on? Those are two cornerstone pieces, building blocks for the future, or do you push back on, I would, I would assume, Aziz? Well, let me, let me ask you a question about the definition of building block for this exercise. Is, it, right. is it a player that you anticipate being a contributor on a playoff team two years from now? Like what, what is your definition of a building block player so that we make sure that we're in agreement on what that means for that player? All right, sure. Well, I mean, listen, the Thibodeau one is self-explanatory, right? High, high draft. You, you something to be there. Um, you know, second contract, right? That's probably that, you know, that tells you enough because even Aziz Ojolari coming into a second year, well, that means he has two more to go plus the next contract, right? So you want multiple contract guys that you believe are going to be here now for the rebuild. And then to your point, they are going to be there contributing for playoff football for the New York football giants. And I'm not saying it's going to take four years to get there, but over the next two, three, four years and beyond, these players will be a part of what the giants accomplish. Yeah. So I think, you know, Aziz Ojolari showed flashes. He seems like a guy that's going to be a perfect compliment to Kayvon Thibodeau. I think we can both agree that those two guys seem like if the giants are, are going to be in play to make the playoffs in two years from now, those two guys are going to be front and center of what the giants are trying to do. So I, I, I think we're in agreement there. Yep. I think uh, what I, I think the third one that we could probably agree on is that Xavier McKinney, the way that he's progressed is going to be here as, as a cornerstone. Now the, the challenge that I have is that I don't like paying safety as a second contract. So that's a, a, a really big challenge for me. Um, so the definition of saying that he's a building block is difficult, but if you're talking about paying a 24, 25 year old safety that has versatility, as opposed to in the box thumping safety that may lose speed or lose some of that athleticism, it's a little different for me. Yeah, I think so. Xavier McKinney, I think what we're going to see here when we talk about these building blocks is and right. So like those top two guys, I, I think we already agree they're in there. Lock them in. And Xavier McKinney, to your point, you're going to be paying a safety in another couple of years, some really big dollars. It's totally worth it. And I think what you need to see him do is build off of last year and cement himself, right? Make himself one of the top two or three safeties in the league. And then you justify it because if not, then I think based on position, 
you could see the Giants in the big in the grand scheme of things say, well, we can get younger through the draft. We can spend another second round draft pick maybe. Now, as the Giants get better, the draft picks get a little bit lower on round to round. And so the value gets a little bit more difficult to find. But I, I think he just needs to affirm that he is the guy at that position that he can anchor Wink Martindale's defense, right? That he can be the field general for them because there is a reason why you draft a Dame Belton, right? There is a reason why you take a look at a Yusef Corker. I'm not saying those guys are anywhere near the talent level of Xavier McKinney, but they could be, you know, serviceable, functional inside of this system in another two years. So I put him fringe, right? I, I, I say 80-20. I'm 80-20 that he is a building block. And I think when we get to our next one here, um, it may it may go the other way between you and I as far as which way you think it is. And that's going to be Dexter Lawrence, right? Here's another guy, a holdover, a first-round draft pick. Um, the speculation that he may end up back inside a nose tackle in Wink Martindale's system. Is he a building block guy for you? He isn't. Um, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be someone that's on this roster long-term, but he's someone that has value in the interim. Mm -hmm. Like the Giants signed him on a one-year deal. He's on a short contract. He is young talent. And also like, if you think about it, if he plays pretty well, the Giants have the ability to, to either franchise tag him or get a compensation pick if he goes and signs elsewhere. So for me, it's a good situation where he's a good player, not a spectacular player. He fills a role. He fills an area of need. But longer term, is he here in two or three years? I am I have my doubts about whether or not Dexter Lawrence is here. And I pretty much put I think I put him in the same category as Xavier McKinney. Like, I'll put, I'll put him on an 80-20, right? If he does the things that you need him to do this year, then you start to line yourself up for that second contract. And then you're a part of that process of helping the Giants win playoff games on your on what will be, you know, a, an eight to 10 year career with the New York football giants, but it will be predicated on how successful do things look when you now have some more pieces around you defensively that hopefully allow you to have a greater level of success. And again, to your point, man, like these are both holdover players. And I think that something about this conversation that's going to upset giants fans in some ways is these are some of the more talented players on the roster. And they might not necessarily be the most important pieces when we talk about two or three years down the line. And that's a part of this process as a GM, turning over that roster and thinking a few years ahead of schedule. So the next two players I wanted to put together, which I think will round out the defensive side of the ball. I put them together because they're in a very similar situation for, for the New York football giants. I know. Who and, you're that, and that would be a Dory Jackson and Leonard Williams. Yep. And, and the reason why they go hand in hand is because they're in a very similar situation where they're, they have two years left on their deal, right? Leonard Williams is 27 turning 28. Ajori Jackson is 26 turning 27. They are both high contributors right now. If I said to you, which way would you rather answer this? Which one is more likely to be on the roster at, at the end of their contract? Or which one do you think the Giants should be building around if they are on the roster long-term? Oh, well, that's interesting, right? So if you're saying if you're building long-term, I think the answer is Leonard Williams, right? Because he can have that impact on that side of the ball. What's ironic is that if if the team overall is at position X in their rebuild, when you talk about 27, 28, 29-year-old Adoree Jackson, will he be worth keeping if you think, hey, we just made the playoffs the year prior, we think that we, you know, we can win a few more rounds, right? Have you drafted in behind them? Cornerback is an interesting one where because he wasn't a wasn't a draft pick from the Giants, let alone a signing from this regime of the Giants, I think that you could see turnover there. Um, but out of the two, I, I would think the one that's more of a building block is Leonard Williams. 
The one that might be more likely to be here, though, is Adoree Jackson, because I think in time, and this, this goes hand in hand with Dexter Lawrence, if Lawrence looks good and you can start to prepare for the future beyond Leonard Williams, what kind of contract are you going to give him, right? There's some big money allocated there. I think that it'd be more likely that he plays out his contract and gets another big deal somewhere else. Whereas with Adoree Jackson, it might be the sweet spot. Is he going to be upper echelon, the true elite number one cornerback, or could you get a little bit of value on a three-year deal to make sure that he's there in support of whoever you're starting ultimately number one corner is on the other side? So I actually would flip it in my opinion. I think that um, Leonard Williams might be more likely to to be here long-term, but I actually think Adoree Jackson is more valuable. And the reason why I, I say that, and it might be surprising to some Giant fans, is because more about Wink Martindale than anything else. Because Wink Martindale wants to play man-to-man yeah. press coverage on the outside – if you don't have a cornerback that can do that on your roster, it throws out all the things that he wants to do from a creative scheme. You feel like, uh, while I know that Wink has had people like Calais Campbell on that line to be able to, to wreak havoc with the Baltimore Ravens, it feels like getting uh, a nose tackle or someone on the defensive line seems to be a little bit easier to replace for 80 cents on the dollar than a press man coverage, who you know man-to-man guy who's 28 years old still has two or three good years left in him before he you know hits over that 30 mark, which is what a Dory Jackson would be. So for me, I think it's more about Wink Martindale and what the defense wants to do rather than who I think has a better overall football skill set to make impacts. Sure. And so, okay. But, and do you think that either one of them is here on a second contract? I think a Jackson might be that guy. If Wink Martindale sees him this year and is like, he is a shutdown corner. He does. He helps me do whatever I want. I could see them after this season, extending him, a year early to say, let's not have him on a, on the last year of his deal. Let's like get him on a tour. Get him at 30 for the next couple of years. Right. He's 26 right now. By the end of the year, he'd be 27 and a half. If you sign him to a two or, th- you know, two year extension, get him, be done with him at 30, not at 31, maybe getting a little bit long in the tooth. Yeah. That may, I mean, listen, that can make sense. And I wonder, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Leonard Williams, as you say, and some of this, it happens in tandem, right? How does he look? Now with Thibodeau and, you know, and some of these other pieces here, year number two for Aziz Ojolari. So, um, and how does the team look? And this is, you know, we're projecting out a handful of years here. So if this year the chemistry is there and it's developing and Leonard Williams is becoming a bit of, you know, he is, he's kind of the, he can be one of the vocal leaders for this defense, right? He's a guy that has a lot of NFL experience. He seems to be well-regarded in locker rooms, right? Everyone likes him and gravitates towards his personality. So obviously we think Thibodeau is ultimately the leader of that defense, but if he can be in that mix there, it'll be interesting to see now as year one and then year two, right? It's all predicated on if this team is building towards something, are these players you would retain? And then listen, what happens long-term, right? So both these positions are so thin right now on paper when you look at them. But what happens over the next couple of seasons? Does someone start to show up, step up, and take on bigger roles in the secondary or on the defensive front that makes those decisions look a little bit different? So um, I'd say, I'd say, Sort of-ish uh, building blocks, potentially, at least maybe here. Um, let's, before we go to the offensive side then, just when we talk about, obviously, all the draft picks they brought in this year, the younger players, is there anybody that you look inside of this that you think, hey, over the course of this season and going into year number two, maybe for a rookie, this is a player that we can start to, we could say, hey, I think he can be a cornerstone building block for this franchise, and I'll... I'll throw out a couple of names that maybe matter most here because we've been talking about what's possible for these rookies. Is Cordell Flott, you know, just on paper, do you go, he can have a strong rookie year and we can start to think there is our other cornerback starting on the opposite side there? Or, you know, sadly, is it like 
yeah, we have him, you know, mid-round pick. And ultimately, we'll see who we draft over the next couple of years that we think could be the starting outside corner. Yeah, it, it's tough because, you know, Aaron Robinson could fit that mold if he has a really good year, just knowing that he's sure. got a year under his belt. I obviously am high on Rodarius Williams. We don't even know if Rodarius Williams is going gonna, is gonna to make the final roster, so it's tough to be able to say, is he going to be here long-term? Some people I, even talked about building blocks, just to throw <clears> it out there. Someone even mentioned, like, Jaron Williams like did play surprisingly well. He's like this back-end guy that got thrust into competition and looked all, you know, looked performed admirably let's put it that way and these guys kind of just fall into that spectrum of hey let's see what happens now with them in the secondary but continue yeah no exactly so for me i don't really see anything yet it's too early to tell on some of these guys like dane belton yusuf corker who knows what's going to happen with any of these guys i think we've kind of understood that it's probably mckinney the two edge rushers and take your pick between Adoree Jackson and Leonard Williams. You have four or five guys, which is half of, of the defense. I think that's probably good to set your eyes on. <clears throat> you know, over a year and a half, two years, you probably have half of the defense turnover. But those are the guys I think you build with on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I'm going to throw in. Listen, I'm, I'm going to put Darian. I'm going to put my guy Darian Beavers into this mix here. Um, I did now. I've done this not before about cornerstone or building blocks. I did it with Carter Coughlin, where I said, you know, I think that he can be a player, a contributor. Never said he could be a building block cornerstone player for this team. Um, but he was taken in the later rounds, and that's what he was projected as. Darian Beavers is was considered to be a fourth round prospect that ended up falling to the Giants in the later rounds. I think that over the, I'm not saying even this, you know, over this first rookie season, if he starts to get himself up there, becomes a, a significant contributor on the defensive side of the ball. You forward a year from now, Lake Martinez is probably gone, right? You're going to see some of these back end guys be gone. Darian Beavers could be going into year number two as a starter, and as we work our way through his second season, we could be saying. Yes, middle of the defense, right? Has some of that sideline-to-sideline ability, ability to be the signal caller there in the linebacking core. I think he has the opportunity. This is the you know future building block, potentially. I think you look at a player like that, and you obviously include the, the Flots and the Beltons being capable of it, but a lot to see from any of them over their rookie seasons. I think Beavers actually probably has, out of all the young players, he might have one of the best inside tracks to be a building block going forward. Interesting that Micah McFadden is actually listed higher on the depth chart than Beavers, obviously probably because where they were drafted, but wouldn't be surprised if it's a coin flip between the two of them to see who ends up taking the starting role in a year, year and a half's time for the Giants. And by the way, either one of them, you know, it's like, right, coin flip. I'll take either one to be someone that can do that for them and be happy about it. Um, offensively my friend this is where i think uh we're gonna i'm gonna go ahead and just sweep the top two right off the board for us no need to have the discussion uh it's going to be andrew thomas and it's going to be evan neal those are the automatic building blocks because they play the bookends of the offensive line we we assume that andrew thomas is going to build off a very strong second season and very high expectations that evan neal just walks in the door and is basically you know top top five, you know, top 10, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to rank them. We think that he walks in the door and is exactly as advertised for the New York football giants. Um, I mean, you could say whatever you want about those two. Where does your mind go then next for here's a key building block and we can frame it the same way, right? Or a guy that this year needs to show something, but let's stick with this guy's a building block right now. Well, so yes, I think we can all agree that Neil and Thomas bookends uh, offensive line are, are staples for the next you know few years to come. You feel confident that Andrew Thomas is going to get another deal from the Giants just based on his progression and how he's looked. Mm-hmm. It's been great. <clears throat> I think once you get past them, Adam, it's tough because I don't know if there's any singular player that you look at and you have confidence that they are going to be a building block. There are certain guys that you know will be on this roster for multiple years, just based on when they got drafted, how much time they have left, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of building blocks, I'm struggling to understand 
who would be the next building block on offense that you said, if nothing else, this guy needs to be here because of X. Yeah, and I think this is where – that's why we, we say there's your two, and now everything else becomes a question, and so much of it becomes predicated on what maybe happens this year or over the next couple of seasons if we're talking about some of the young players. Let's uh, Listen, Daniel Jones, we know what's on the line for him, right? If he has the big year, he's a franchise quarterback for the Giants, and we're all elated, and that makes him a cornerstone and a building block, right? If it doesn't look so good, we get that. Um, let's quickly uh, – we'll quickly do Saquon Barkley because I think this is debatable amongst fans. What should happen? I don't think he's a building block because I don't think you can commit to him on a longer contract, replaceable position, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to trend too negative. I just don't look at him that way. Do you think, you know, for you, is there things that he could do this year and showcase this season where you would turn around and say he's worth $12 million a year going forward for the Giants? I don't see a scenario where Saquon Barkley, even if he plays well, doesn't get the franchise tag from the Giants because then at least you're just committing to one more year of a running back who's had injuries. You're not committing to him long-term. It would be tough to see him as a building block getting a three-year deal or a four-year deal from the Giants. Knowing how all of these running back contracts age, you look at you know Christian McCaffrey, he's been off injured. You look at Ezekiel Elliott, he is hamstringing the the Cowboys in terms of the ability and space they had. They had to let go of Amari Cooper as a result of it. So yeah, it's tough. I think the shelf life for Saquon Barkley with this team is this year and next year, knowing that you have the franchise tag in the back pocket. Good point. Long-term about Saquon Barkley or any of these kind of players. But remember, like the Dallas Cowboys ended up having to let go of a quality number one starting wide receiver based on not just Ezekiel Elliott's contract, but everything else that they had to do. The offensive line, the issues, right? Trying to fill needs. Like you don't want to be in that position where paying Saquon Barkley ends up making you have to make difficult decisions and arguably wrong decisions later on because you flat out can't get away from it. So something to keep our eyes on there. Go ahead. I I was going to say, yes. So with the Saquon Barkley piece, I think it's still up in the air. I think every Giant fan feels uh, a little bit of a question mark. But in terms of building blocks, Adam, I have have a controversial take here maybe. I don't know. What are you going to say, Kadarius Tony? No. So I think think we can all realize that – Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, a lot of question marks around those three. Tough to even understand if any of them will be on the roster past this season. There's going to be a lot of turnover, which is why the Giants drafted Kadarius Tony, why they drafted Wondell Robinson. My belief is that I think Daniel Bellinger has the ability to be a building block even more than Wondell Robinson does oh. for the Giants. And the reason why is because Daniel Bellinger's boomer bust, uh, like is his his floor is way higher than what I think Wandell Robinson is, because Wandell Robinson is is you know smaller in size and stature. I'm curious to know if it will translate to the next level of his shiftiness to be able to get out in space. We know that that Daniel Bellinger is a tremendous blocker. We know that he has amazing hands. Those two things alone will make sure that you can stick around in the NFL for quite a while. You're now seeing in camp that they're saying he's way more athletic. He mm-hmm. was underutilized um, in college. I think he could be a surprising one where you look at it in, in a couple of years down the road. You say, we thought Wandell was explosive and he was going to be a building block, but actually the safety and the ability to do his job effectively keeps Daniel Bellinger around here longer term. That's interesting. Um, but I don't, I don't not like it. That's a really good, it's a really good poll, right? This is a guy, the giants haven't had that consistency at tight end. He's showing that right now. I think that he is going to end up being, he was graded by Walter football as a really high value where they drafted him. 
I think that that's the that's the least sexiest building block you could have said, right? And 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 good. Like the Giants need that. The Giants historically have had players like that. So I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And I and I think I would I was going to say Wandell Robinson to me is also right there to be a building block, right? And I know you talk about well the shift. Can he do it? Whatever. I, Again, when you go back, you watch this kid. He's lined up at running back. He's played all over the field. This is what the the NFL is built on these days. Like, I think that he is there to be that. And he's obviously the safety valve on what happens with Kadarius Toney over the next couple of seasons. So I I just look at it as the new regime wanted their version of Kadarius Toney just to make sure they 100% had him. And they went and got him at 43 in the second round. So I put Wandell Robinson as a building block. And I'm, I'm ecstatic to put Bellinger into that. I think the only pushback, and maybe this is for both of these players, by the way, in the big picture, the pushback on Bellinger would be, yes, I think he can do X, Y, and Z. Do I think that you could find another tight end like that in the draft over the next two, three years? Probably, but I'll be perfectly content to say we already did it, right? We already, we already found him. We don't have to worry about it. And I think as long as he shows up and shows consistency, already said, asked the question over on uh, YouTube a handful of episodes ago, is Bellinger going to be the second uh, tight end on the depth chart week one overwhelmingly fans believe he will be so if he's number two on the depth chart in his rookie season making plays showing up there by year number two he could be the starter and that means that over the next two three seasons you're projecting him to have healthy contributions and be in line to get a great second contract and be a building block so i love it here's here's a question i have for you you mentioned wandale robinson over Kadarius tony who has more talent between the two of them no uh Kadari, well again Here's the thing. Kadarius Tony innately has more talent, I think. He's a naturally more gifted player, projected to go higher. Now, again, I will say, uh, Walter Cherpinski, he said that he had one, they had Wandell Robinson in the first round in some of their mocks as they got closer to the draft for whatever that's worth. I think we've now seen the NFL sample size of Kadarius Tony. We know how electric he can be. We don't know yet what Wandell Robinson converts to at the NFL level. It's only going to take us seeing him on the field and seeing him showcase a different version of skill sets for us to go, oh, he's just as valuable. He's just as talented. I put him above Kadarius Tony because he's this regime's draft pick and because are you going to, as you come up on Kadarius Tony's second contract opportunity, are you committing to him, picking up the fifth-year option, right? Will he be here beyond that first contract? I think... Both of these players can showcase it and be the two cornerstone wide receivers for what you want to accomplish on offense. But I'm going to lean towards the guy that I think these that this regime specifically wanted to go get. Right? They they believe they got incredible value bringing in Wandell Robinson. The, the reason why I ask is because there seems to be question marks with both, at least for me. One on the Wandell Robinson side is does his skill set translate to the next level? Like does his size and stature allow translation? The, the Kadarius Tony piece is. Will he be around here? Will he be on this roster? Will, like, with all the off-field stuff, previous regime, just concerns, sure. not necessarily about his athleticism, like, which is a bigger concern? Wandell's translation or Kadarius Tony's other things other than his traits and characteristics that make him an explosive player? It's fascinating that you chose, you know, Wandell knowing the tiebreaker goes to the team, you know, the, the ownership and GM and, and coaches that actually drafted him. Yeah, and I think that Wandell is going to showcase that he can be re- reliable and consistent as a player, not you know, on the field, off the field as well. And again, I don't want I don't want to put I'm not, I'm not dumping on Kadarius Tony, right? We all want him to just show up here, and be ready to roll. It just it just feels like right. There's this there's this scenario that plays out where Kadarius looks electric and also maybe wants the really big payday and that really big second contract, and it just doesn't align 
with where the Giants are going to be and other players are going to be paying. And that, that's three years down the road from now. We don't have to get overly hyped on it. Um, but I believe, yeah, I believe in Wandell Robinson. Beyond that, man, like you say, it's a tricky one to look over this roster and think about what could be. Um, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I'll, put, I'll put out a sleeper one for you here. Going into year number two, going into next season, I'm going to go ahead and, and put my name on the line for Joshua Azudu. I think that he's a player that if things go right in his rookie year, we'll have talked about him maybe starting a handful of games at the back end of the season and being a starting offensive lineman. And then arguably you'd be saying, hey, three of our building blocks are right in front of that QB position at some of the most critical spots. I think that he certainly is capable of accomplishing that for the Giants. Yeah, you and me have have a similar situation where Rodarius Williams might not be on the roster, and I think that he could be one of those guys. Zudu may not even start week one <laughs> at left guard, even though he got drafted. He could be one of those guys for you. It's tough. But but Adam, I think the easiest way to, to, to state this is, at the end of the day, my friend, the good news is we just highlighted that there is at least four or five guys in the defensive side of the ball. There's at least two, maybe three and a half kind of guys on the offensive side, depending on how you feel about Daniel Jones and others that the sure. giants can build around. And to be honest with you, a couple of years ago, I don't know if that was necessarily the case. And so you can feel good that, you know, at least 30% of the starters, 25% of the starters are potentially going to be here long-term with some of these younger guys able to prove themselves over the next year and maybe vault themselves into that category. Yeah, like you say, you know, 10, maybe there's 10 names here. There's eight names here we really believe in. But a year from now, we could be talking about 14 names, right? And then another year later, we could say, hey, 16 to 20 guys, half of this roster is really guys that we know are going to be contributors and you be able to be a part of this team. The dollars and cents are always going to come into play here with which ones you get to keep. And then we'll be talking about in the very positive way. Oh, unfortunately, we have to let go of what we thought could have been a building block player because we have so much talent, right? Too much talent to be able to have success. Too much what, a, what, a, what a dream for New York football Giants fans. Listen, we want to have a little bit of fun getting out the door here at the end of the week. Put some thoughts out there. Get after us on YouTube, right? Are there other guys that you want to see? We know this is projecting out. So who are the young players? Flott, Belton, right? Who are some of those back-end guy holdovers from the previous regime? Can they be building blocks for the New York football Giants? Second contract players. Put it that way when you're getting after us in the comments there. Obviously, subscribe over on YouTube. Get the podcast. We get those needs fulfilled. We'll be back on Monday, breaking it all down, talking about some of these position battles now and where we think the hierarchy is going to shake out over the course of the offseason. And as always, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and need the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.